Welcome to Short Course, episode 54, for March 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Ben Barry. It's been another busy week for me, so I actually have not been dry firing, actually at all, um, but I did have the chance to go shoot two different matches, one a USPSA club match on Saturday, and then one a, an indoor local uh, outlaw match that I've talked about before on the podcast on Monday. And it was interesting shooting the two matches back-to-back and seeing seeing some issues in either match, and in some cases, issues in both matches that I'm, I'm trying to learn from and, and draw a consistent trend line from. So I thought I would just run through some of those today and try and share some of the, the lessons learned for me. So the USPSA club match on Saturday was at Carolina Guns and Gear, which it's the same club that hosted the NC section last year. You know, I mean, one of the, one of the great clubs in the, in the section, they always put on good matches. It's always challenging stages, very few sort of just raw hoser type stages, lots of challenge, lots of small plates hidden around and tough steel shots and that sort of thing. And and so this match was, was no exception. Although, so we started, one of the things that they've, that they do, which is pretty common around here is they, on one of the bays, they split it up. And so they have some kind of short course or speed shoot on the same bay as the classifier. And that's what they did here. And that was the bay that, that my squad started on. And this, the, the first stage that we shot was actually the speed shoot. And I thought it was actually a surprisingly good use of, uh, of the level one exception allowed in the rules where usually in USPSA, you're not allowed to say, you have to shoot these targets from here. You have to shoot those targets from here. It's everything has to be dictated by the, by the course construction, but there is an exception in the rules for level one matches. I think off the top of my head, I think it's only for short and medium courses. I don't think you can do that with a long course, even at a level one, but this was, this was just a straight up short course. It was, it was 12 rounds, very, not very ipsy but in, in the way it was, it was a 12 round short course in that. So in that sense, it was sort of like IPSC, but it was just a very simple, it was just two shooting boxes, maybe three feet apart. And you just had a, a little target array, maybe 10 yards away from one box, shoot two on each of three targets, step into the other box, mandatory reload, shoot two on each of three targets. But on the on one target array, it was all the targets were equal distance. Just two of them had a, a partial in between them, a no shoot making the, the, the two targets slightly partialed. And then on the other array, it was a, it, they, they were slightly staggered. So I think one was like maybe seven, eight and nine yards, something like that. So just a little bit of distance uh, to change it up as well as the, the middle target having a partial on it. So just a, just a, I don't know, a fun little burner stage that I thought was a good use of the level one exemption. It was just couple target stands, couple boxes, and and just an interesting little stage that really didn't didn't need to be overdone. So I thought that was well. My performance on it was I shot it fairly well. I was pretty happy. There was the one of the targets was a pretty tight partial. You had probably, you know, it was using IPSC octagon targets and I would say you you might have had half and half the A zone as a as a horizontal partial. And I was, I was pretty happy to, to collect the two A's on that guy, uh, just by aiming in a little bit more. But the, the main hiccup on that stage was the reload. And this is a, a bit of a, a trend that I'm noticing, probably because I haven't been dry firing very much, but just that, that my reloads aren't terrible, but I'm just getting hung up on the mag well. And so I kind of get the gun to the mag and then it, it stops, it bangs off the mag well. And then I kind of have to just, work, you know, reposition and then actually finish the reload. And so it's costing me, you know, half a second every time, but on a stage, I want to say that one was, 
I think my time was like 6.2, something like that. So on a, on a pretty short stage, half a second matters, even even with the, the sort of one step between shooting boxes that cost me. The classifier up next um, was pretty straightforward. It was uh, front sight, which is just you have three targets, all of them with no shoots on them, but you have the whole A zone on the two outside ones, but it's the first string you turn and draw two on each, and then the second string you start facing downrange two on each. And I just, I don't know, I, I feeling rusty, feeling not super confident and just trying to burn it down and trust my natural index and everything without having dry fired. I just said, you know, just, just go for A's and don't be, don't be slow. Don't be over aiming, but go for A's and trust that the speed will be all right. And it, it came out okay. I'm not super thrilled. I think it came out at like an 88%, which is fine for being rusty and out of practice, but um, pretty, pretty happy with shooting that classifier all A's because it, it really, I think the temptation is more as you're transitioning across, the targets are pretty spread out. The The temptation is having the no shoots on the outside of the targets and then having the wide transitions, it's very tempting to underswing the transition and just shoot like center of the available cardboard, which in production, take dropping those two C's. If you do that on more than one target, that's that that's going to put a dent in your score pretty quick. So I was pretty happy with that. The, the third stage of the day was... It really, it, it, I executed it fine, but it was a, there was a planning error in that when I was walking the stage before the match, the morning of, I read the stage brief and I remembered it being the 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 round count being high twenties. And so as I'm walking through, I'm counting, I get my round count, and you know I know better, I know better, but I still did it, and I I just asked someone else on the squad. I was like, what's the round count? And they said 28. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds right. That, yeah. 28. That's what I'm getting to. So we get to the stage. I'm the first shooter up and it's actually 26 rounds. So, you know, I mean, it was, it was a bit of a fire drill. It actually worked out. Okay. I think in terms of execution, that actually was probably one of my better stages, uh, just because I had to take the, the five minute walk through really seriously and, and figure out the, the stage plan that I wanted to run with and, and figure out how to sort of salvage the, the plan that I had come up with, which wasn't too much of a stretch, but it losing those two rounds let me change things around in, in some fairly advantageous ways. And, you know, it, that that was just a, a rookie mistake. And like I said, I, I just, I should know better, but that was just a, a wake up call to, and, and I think, I think what was happening was I asked the guy and he, he probably honestly thought whoever it was, he honestly probably thought it was 28 because that's that's the round count he was getting. But he was doing the same thing I was, which is double counting two steel targets that you could see from two different spots. And so I double counted them. He double counted them. He gave me his number with a double count and it matched my number with a double count. And the written stage brief was 15 yards away. I, I just could have walked over and just looked at it, but I didn't. And that's just a, a reminder. You know, nobody nobody's doing that out of malice. It's just that's the the round count that they're counting on the stage, and so when you ask, that's that's what they say because they don't want to say, "Oh, I don't know," but just you know, check the sheet. Like such a such a rookie mistake. So the fourth stage was it was a, a bit of a memory stage, which is all right because it actually it wasn't it wasn't too bad to come up with a, a plan for. But what surprised me is I actually had something happen during this stage that had never happened in a match to me before which is that I, I shot a makeup shot and I, I literally did not remember taking it to the point where I knew, for example, on this stage, I knew I was picking a plan where I was starting with shooting 11. So I was shooting the gun all the way empty 
and then I was going to reload and move, and if I came up one round short, I was going to engage the targets in a way that if I had to leave that last target, it was available from the next position, and so I could pick it up there. But ideally, I wanted to go one for one there and just be done with that sort of right half of the stage, because you started in the front right corner of the stage. And it was a very weird feeling as I was shooting. The, the gun locked open right before I was expecting it to. I thought I had one more round in the gun. But going back and watching the video, I shot an extra shot at a piece of steel. And the strange thing is, I just, it didn't enter my mind. You know, normally when I'm shooting to a, a tight round count like that, I know how many rounds I have available. And so I'm, I'm counting, usually I'm not counting the rounds I shot, but I'm counting the, the number of makeups. So I know in a position, oh, okay, I have two makeup shots here. And so if I shoot two makeup shots, then I need to go one for one at that position before I go to the next reload, that kind of thing. And so it's, it's sort of a negative tracking like that. And so I'm, I'm very used to that thought pattern. And so it's very strange to me that I would shoot that makeup shot and it wouldn't register at some kind of recalculating kind of stage plan level that, okay, this means that the consequence is that. Like it just, I shot the extra makeup shot, but it's like it didn't even, didn't even register, which is super weird. I, I still don't have a, a good idea of why that happened. And the weird thing is it happened again later, two stages later, uh, but I'll get to that. So, uh, you know... I'm not, I'm not really sure what to make of that, but it's, it's something that I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye out for. And like I said, I, I did, so I, I wanted to plan that stage so that I sort of had a backup plan, but I didn't have two different plans and I had to sort of switch tracks. The idea was I would engage the targets in a way that if something went wrong, I, I had an option later to pick it up. But when I went to slide lock two rounds early, I completely had to recalculate and I did end up just re doing the slide lock reload, firing those two shots, and then doing another reload and just getting right back on the plan, which I think was the best way to to salvage things. But it was just there, there's there was it just rattled me so much to be to have the gun locking open when when and usually it, when it does that, I at least know that it's coming. I know okay, I, I'm shooting I'm shooting the gun empty here, but the fact that I took a makeup shot and it didn't even register. I don't know if I'm just getting rusty at shooting matches or I was just too, I mean, my best guess is that I was, I was too focused on some aspect of either the stage or looking at particular targets or probably more likely just thinking about my technique too much and, and really focusing on getting a, getting the right sight picture and gripping the gun right and pulling the trigger correctly, which are all things that I'm trying to work on coming out of my live fire practice. But because I haven't spent the time in dry fire to make them subconscious, they're still more conscious than I would like. And I can, I can even see that watching my match videos. I can see that I'm doing the right things in the, in the way that the gun is, is transitioning between targets the way I want it to. And it's, it's not bouncing around in the manner that I want it to, you know, it's staying controlled the way that I want to. But everything's just a little bit sluggish. It's it's still just a little bit conscious. I'm still having to think a little bit too much about it. And and that's exactly where a a serious dry fire regimen would, I think, come in to play and, and really help. And I know that I just need to put in the work and I just can't right now. And that's fine. It's you know, it it is what it is. But I know that the 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 techniques are working, but I think it's probably yeah, on reflection, I think it probably is just that. It's it's that I'm being conscious of my techniques. And so I don't have sort of the spare cycles to be there just observing myself shoot and reacting to when things go off plan, because I'm, I'm still consciously occupied at a much more micro level thinking about individual technique things. 
Um, at least I think that was probably the issue there. Um, the two, so two stages later, we'll come back to the, the stage in the middle, but two stages later, I basically did the same thing. But in that scenario, it was, it was again, a, a position where I was shooting to 11 and the thing that, that really caught me off guard there was actually that part of shooting to 11 there was there was a Texas star at probably eight yards. So not super hard. It wasn't particularly far away, but it was a Texas star. And so if you totally mess it up, then, then you can potentially dump some rounds, but, but Texas stars don't really scare me. I know, I know how to shoot them reasonably well. I, I understand sort of the physics of it. And so I'm, I, I can, I can reasonably plan to go one for one on a Texas star at, you know, at a reasonable distance. That's, that's not a stretch for me, but something happened on this stage that again, it never happened in, in any match that I'd shot before, especially with Texas stars, because there, there are a couple clubs around here that have them. And so I've shot, I don't know if I had to guess maybe 10 or 12 stages in matches over the years that have a Texas star, maybe more, but somewhere in that neighborhood, 10, 10 to 20, maybe. And so, you know, I've, I've shot them. They're not really that spooky to me. And one of the things that I've gotten used to is the fact that during your walkthrough before the stage, you look at the disposition of the Texas star, sort of how is it leaning? Is it, is one post standing straight up or is it kind of leaning off to one side? And as a part of your visualization, you build in when you come into the target, it's going to be in that position. And generally speaking, that'll dictate whether I take it clockwise or counterclockwise, just based on the way that the plates are leaning. And I, I have no explanation for how or why, but what was weird about this one is that during the walkthrough, when I was looking at it, it was, it was in a position where it's basically pointing down. So there were two arms at the top that were, that were basically parallel. They were flat. They, they were even with each other. And I said, okay, well, arbitrarily, I feel like it's easier just to shoot clockwise. So I'll just start with the top right arm and then I, I do, I go around the clock. I don't do the arms, feet, whatever, back and forth. I don't, I don't do that. Um, around the clock works for me. And so I, I was planning to do that. And again, I, I shot a, a makeup shot that I had no memory of, but in this particular case, it was because I was so thrown off my game because when I transitioned, when, when I actually transitioned to that target, it was, it was flipped essentially upside down. So instead of having at the top, having two arms that were horizontal and, and parallel, it was pointing straight up. So there was one vertical arm pointing up at the, the 12 o'clock position, which is fine. It's not hard to shoot it that way either. Honestly, if anything, it's probably a little bit easier to, to, to start shooting it that way because you shoot that top plate and the star is not even going to move. So that, that was, in some ways that was actually an advantage, but because it was so different from the way I visualized it and I didn't because it was so different from the way I visualized it, it just threw me off. And so I, I was suddenly flipped into this sort of conscious mode of shooting. And so I ended up firing a shot at that top plate, but I was more, I, I mean, I was definitely target focused on the plate because I was like, what the heck is going on with this star? It's not where I was expecting it to. And so the sights weren't lined up and that was a miss, but it's like, I was so preoccupied with the position of the star that I didn't, I didn't even register that I'd fired that, that, that extra shot. And so later on, I was thinking about the star and I actually transitioned to the wrong target afterwards and shot that. And then I went to slide lock when I wasn't expecting it. And I, I legitimately thought that I had loaded my magazine. Like I'd only put nine rounds in that magazine. That, that was the only explanation because I'd, I had no memory of, of, of shooting that extra shot. But when I, when I went back and watched the video, nope, it was there clear as day. And so 
the, the, and the thing that I guess is particularly interesting about this, possibly, is just the fact that the start position was standing right in front of this star. I was, I was staring right at it, but I didn't, I didn't look at it. It was just in my mind. It was, yes, it was the Texas star. It was the way it appeared in my mind, the way I'd visualized it, but I didn't actually look at it and verify that it was in that, in that position. And so to me, sort of the, the takeaway from that is potentially anytime you have a mover like that, when you're on deck, when you're walking the stage right before you, you make ready, just visually verify if there are any of these goofy movers as much as you can just verify that they're in the position that you're expecting them to be. And if they are great, then it just gives you that, that little bit of extra confidence in your stage plan. But if they're not, then you can not be surprised the the way that I was. And yeah, honestly, I still don't understand. I mean, I guess, you know, if it's balanced one way and you flip that 180 degrees, then, then it would be equally balanced. That's the only thing I can, I can imagine. But that, that was just a, one of the crazier things I've ever seen with a, with a Texas star, but you know, just a learning experience there. But so to go back one stage to the, the stage in between the the thing that I guess was interesting about this is that I actually looked at it as a, an opportunity to exhibit particular skills, I guess you could say, which is not something you, you really want to, that's not a way, an approach you want to take to matches. You don't want to say, Oh, I've been practicing distance changeup a lot. So let me you know, really show that off in this match. You just shoot the targets as they present in, in the way that that comes the most naturally or, or with the best flow according to the way the stage is constructed. But in this particular case, the the first position was you were starting in a box and this was, this was a, you had two rear shooting boxes and then one forward shooting box, but it was, everything was obscured by walls. So it was still a, a legal stage. It wasn't relying on the level one exception, but you basically had one plate, maybe 30 degrees to your left, and then 30, 40 degrees to your right was another single plate and then three open paper targets at, let's say, 10 yards. And a lot of people drew to one of the plates, swept across the paper, and then shot the other plate because it was a very sort of natural, whether you're going right to left or left to right, it was a very natural order. And when I looked at it, I said, well, actually, the, the paper, by the time you're shooting the one closest, and when you left this box, you were basically running straight down range. And the, the three paper were arrayed off to your right, but they, they were fairly close to downrange. They, they weren't all the way 90 degrees to the right. And so it actually wasn't a, a very hard angle if you were going to start moving downrange to take that, that last paper. And so I actually ended up drawing to the steel, transitioning across the other steel, and then shooting the paper and deliberately sort of consciously planning what I think of as an easy exit, where you start to lift one foot as you're, as you're shooting that last stage, and you, and you just start to shift your weight, which is not something that you would necessarily do on a harder target or if it was a short move, but because it was a long move and the targets were fairly easy, it seemed like a good opportunity. And that that worked out. You know, normally you don't want to go into stages looking to exhibit technique, but in that scenario, I, I visualized that element in and it came out. So that was kind of cool. And then the last stage of the day, honestly, was was one of my worst, the, the hits were okay, but I just, there were a lot of hiccups as I was indexing on the wrong target or moving to the wrong spot, just because it was the last stage of the day. I was down in the order. And I think I tend to, I'm, I'm discovering that I tend to get complacent as the, as the day wears on. And I don't know if that's just focus starts to, to drain after a couple hours at, at a match, or it's just a complacency of having a couple good stages under your belt. But just like on, on a target array, you can, you can have a bunch of good alphas and then blow the whole thing up with the very last shot if you sink it into a no-shoot. A match is a is a 
is an unrelated sequence of stages. And, and the last stage, you don't build up momentum. You don't get necessarily in a groove automatically. And so the last stage, if you get complacent, can, can wreck you just as badly as coming in cold and not being warmed up for the first stage. And I think the latter is, is I'm discovering much more my problem because the same thing happened two days later when I shot the, the outlaw match, the indoor outlaw match. It was a, so the, the match was running slower than normal for various logistical reasons. And so by the time it was my time to shoot, almost, you know, kind of ready to go home. And I was late down in the order. It was a very straightforward stage. It was a slight twist on disaster factor. So turn and draw, you have three open targets on the bottom row and three partial targets on the top row with no shoots in between them. Engage one array, mandatory reload, engage the other array. And I just kind of phoned it in. I just turned, drew, shot. I mean, I think I was slinging probably, you know, 20, 25 splits at seven or 10 yards, whatever the distance is on that, that classifier, which is reasonable, but then did the reload and just wasn't really thinking it through and started to push the gun out stronghand only because the stage before this had been reload to, to stronghand, which was not a part of this stage, but it was just, I hadn't really visualized it through because it looked like such a simple stage that I just was still in that mindset. I kind of hadn't, hadn't gotten the, the previous stage out of my mind. And so I, I reload to the, start to do the strong hand. And then I realized I catch myself and put the other hand back on the gun. And then I pushed the gun out and ended up basically because the, because of the, the extra movement of the gun that that caused. And then going back out to the target, drop one into a no shoot, shoot the other ones. And then on the very last target, it was alpha Mike. It was just off the, off the paper. And I called it, but I was like, it was like, I was just so much in this groove of just shooting at a, at a predetermined pace, just showing up and just shooting the pace that I expected to be able to shoot that I wasn't paying attention to the sights. I wasn't having the, the patience to say, okay, get the sight picture right before you break that next shot after the reload because of this hiccup. I was just like, yeah, okay, get back on track and just continue to, to chug along at the predetermined speed. And, and it didn't work. It, it, it completely tanked my match. I was doing quite well up until then. And, and that one just completely blew me out of the water. I think it was, you know, fourth or fifth on every or better on every stage. And I was like 20th on that one. It's just, just ridiculously bad. And it was just, again, an interesting trend last stage of the day. And so I think that's, that's another thing that although, although I haven't, um, although I haven't had a chance to practice much, it, it was certainly interesting to get to shoot those two matches back to back and, and notice that trend and also the trend in, uh, my reloads being pretty sketchy. So if, as I have time this weekend and, and this coming week come leading into the South Carolina sectional, that'll definitely be a focus of, of practice. And it gives me a few things to work on because at this point it's not realistic to think that I'm going to be going into a, you know, ramping up over the course of a week into a full scale middle of the season type dry fire schedule. But if I can at least say, here are a couple of targeted issues that have come up in matches. Here's the current low hanging fruit. Just work on those and try and, and be confident in those things going into this big match. Then that'll at least give me sort of the best return on investment for, for the time that I can spend at this point, which is not a lot, but I'm sure if I have a couple focus things to work on, I can try and drill those out. So that's the plan. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Berry Shooting or on Instagram at BS Berry. My email is podcast at berryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.